All right. Once again, good morning, everyone. How are we all doing? Uh, all right, so I want to put my hybrid teaching experience to good use. If I've learned anything this year, is that one, it can crash and burn, so we're going to see what happens. But I'm going to set up something here, um, and then I'm going to do it later on. But I'm really setting this up, not necessarily for you here in the congregation, because your part's pretty easy, but for you at home. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to encourage you to, on a different device, Open up it on Facebook so that you can comment as well. So that's what I'm hopefully going to be able to see over there in a little bit. Um, if you're on Facebook, that's great. And so I just kind of want you to get ready at home because you're going to be answering some questions just like everyone in here as well. And so we're going to see. Fingers crossed. All right. I planned this out on a six-mile hike with Lisa. So we'll see what happens. All right. Um, so just hang tight. Be ready to answer questions at home. And here we go. And so, as Jody read for us this morning in chapter 13, um, it's one of many parables that uh, Jesus teaches about the kingdom of heaven. And so we're going to look at a pretty well-known parable. I think most of us know it well, but if you don't, I definitely encourage you to, to read it more. Um, the mustard seed and then the yeast that a woman used in making bread. But I think it can also be dangerous to look at just a small portion of scripture without understanding kind of why is it there, what's the context of it around it, so what happens before and after, and just kind of where are we at um, from there. So let me take you on a quick little journey. So chapter 13, where we are today, back up, we're going to go into chapter 12. Chapter 12, the beginning of that um, is, again, probably another well-known story where Jesus is walking with his disciples during, um, on the Sabbath, so keep that in mind, on the Sabbath, through the grain fields, and his disciples are hungry, so what do they do? They began harvesting grain because, like, I'm hungry. Here's grain. Let's make this happen, right? And some Pharisees see them do it and say, whoa, this is the Sabbath, you're breaking the law. You can't do that. And it's kind of one of the first encounters that Jesus has with the traditions that are being taught by the Pharisees and the understanding of what the true meaning of Scripture and the good news is that Jesus is encountering them. So Jesus says, if you only knew, there is someone here who is greater than the temple, someone here who is greater than the Sabbath. And of course, he's talking about himself. And then we fast forward the story, and then Jesus is going to the synagogues and he meets a man with a deformed hand. And so the Pharisees ask him, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? Well, they were hoping that he would say yes, right? Because then they could bring charges against him because they're trying to get rid of him. They're trying to figure out what's the best way. And so that's when Jesus says, and all as well as Jesus can always do, right? If a man had a sheep that fell into a well, wouldn't you work to pull it out on the Sabbath? Of course you would. What a great answer, right? And so again, another way that Jesus challenges the teaching of the Pharisees. And then the Pharisees got an idea, and they're saying, okay, later in chapter 12, we know what it is. Jesus is able to do all of these miracles because he's empowered by Satan. That makes perfect sense. And so they challenge him with that. And Jesus says, wait a minute. Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. Because if Satan, Satan is fighting against himself, his own kingdom will not survive. If I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? Because they cast out demons too. So wait a minute, what's going on here? And Jesus is challenging them there. 
Further on, Jesus talks about the story of Jonah and that, in a sense, I am Jonah, right? As the... As Jonah lived in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man live in the earth for three days and three nights. And so again, he's talking about and challenging their thinking. And lastly, right at the end of chapter 12, he's then confronted about who is the true family of Jesus. Because he's talking to some crowds and someone comes up to him and says, hey, wait a minute, your brother and your mother and your sister, they're outside, they want to speak to you. Jesus is like, who is my brother? Who are my brothers? The people who do the will of God, those are my true brother and mother and sister. And we get to the end of chapter 12. So then the beginning of chapter 13 says, later that same day. So it's kind of interesting that a lot of what happened in chapter 12, I think, then goes right into 13. So in 12, Jesus is surrounded by a crowd of people. And it says, later that same day, as the crowd gathered, he left the house and sat beside the lake. And this crowd begins to continue gathering around him. And so what is he going to do? He gets into a boat and he sits there and begins to teach. And so this is an opportunity now in chapter 13 where Jesus is going to try to begin explaining the kingdom of heaven. And why is he doing this? Well, because they have it wrong, right? Even as uh, Tracy preached two weeks ago, he talked about the kingdom of heaven to them was when the Messiah was going to come in power. And they knew, at least they thought, that freedom was really being away from their oppressors. And at this point, Rome has got them under their thumb. And just like Moses delivered them out of Egypt, they think when the Messiah comes, that's it. We are then going to truly be free. And Jesus is like, no. And so Jesus begins to speak to them in parables, one after another. And so at the beginning of chapter 13 is the parable about the good soil. And so where we plant the seed and how it grows. Then it goes into where uh, both a good farmer and a wicked farmer plant seed. And then both weeds and, um, uh, weeds and wheat. That's the other one, two W's. Weeds and wheat grow up together and then sifting them out. And then we get to today's passage, which is the mustard seed, the yeast. And don't forget, later in 13, because again, I think it's important, that he begins to continue teaching the kingdom of heaven, which is the treasure that a man finds hidden in the field, the merchant on the lookout for choice pearls, and then a fishing net cast into the sea that catches both good and bad fish and is sorted out. Now, if you're nodding your head and going, yeah, a lot of those are familiar, I know that, great. If a lot of that was like, wow, that was a lot of information, and I don't really understand that, I would definitely encourage you to read chapter 12 and 13. It's just great, and really to understand the full context of what it is, because again, we're going to focus in on just a narrow portion of that. All right, activity time. All right, so... As any teacher knows, this can crash and burn, but you're going to go in with gusto and confidence and see what happens. All right, so at home, again, I'm going to ask you the same question. I'm hopefully going to see your comments. They'll be a little bit delayed on Facebook, so we'll see what happens. Um, and hopefully make a point here. What I want you to think about right now is what makes the perfect American Thanksgiving holiday? what traditions, food, people, whatever it may be, what makes the perfect American Thanksgiving holiday? So at home, I want you to answer. I'm going to look at your comments in just a second and help intersperse them here in the congregation. 
What do you got for me? What makes the perfect American Thanksgiving tradition? Okay, gathering a family. You've got to say it loud and proud. I'm deaf. Food. What, 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 back up. What kind of food? Okay, turkey. Pies. Lots of pies. There you go. Lisa will be happy. What else? Stuffing, all right. Leftovers. I know. You're eat, eating it for days, right? Good. All right. What else? What else we got? Cranberry sauce. All right. A big vat of mashed potatoes. All right. I got someone here saying naps. Naps is a good one. All right. I think that might have been Tracy. Um, we got um, also family from Patrice, turkey, sweet potatoes, cranberry sauce, post-dinner games, and naps. Wow. All right. I, saw, I heard football. All right. There you go. What else do we have? Oh, we got some more. Uh, Dwight says family. Orlana says family. All right. Great. What else do we have? Ooh, reflecting on how good God was. So giving thanks. Hey, look at that. You just stole Maggie's. Maggie said, give thanks to God for what we are grateful for. There you go. Thanks, Maggie. What else do we have? What's that? Gifts. All right. I don't get any gifts. I don't, <laughs> I don't give gifts. So that, I don't think why I should get them. Um, Orlana says, remembering our blessings, absolutely. All right, if you have any more on Facebook there, keep them coming. They might uh, sprinkle in as we're going. All right, so let me do uh, a little something here and say that you're all wrong. All right, so that you have been doing it wrong for however long you've been celebrating the Thanksgiving holiday. I'm sorry about that, but it is what it is. The perfect American Thanksgiving holiday begins with all of everyone in your household getting up at sunrise and going for a 10-mile hike. Yeah. It is absolutely the best way to start an American Thanksgiving tradition. The perfect American Thanksgiving meal starts with a kale smoothie. Absolutely. Then it's followed by grilled swordfish, lentils, Brussels sprouts, a little bit of caviar, and some spam. That is what it is. All right. The perfect Thanksgiving holiday does not include watching Lions football team lose, yet again, but rather includes everybody gathering around and watching the beginning of the Canadian curling season. Now, some of those, you're like, wait, okay, that's just, it's weird. And I tried to pick some weird ones and, and kind of go from there. But what I'm trying to do is challenge your understanding of what we think is true. And what we're like, oh, no, this is the way it's supposed to be done, right? And we might argue a little bit. Some of us may say, oh, it has to be turkey. Or it has to be mashed potatoes. Oh, no, it has to be this or it has to be that. But what Jesus is coming in and it's saying that all of what we know and what we think to be true is incorrect. And that's what he's doing in chapter 13, is working to change them. And to them, some of these stories and these parables would just be so difficult to comprehend. Let's try this. How many of you believe that you must wait at least an hour to go swimming after you eat? Right? Who says that, that that's true? Like that, that is, right? All right, got some in the back, all right? It's a, it's a myth. 
All right, it has actually been proven incorrect that you actually can eat some food and go swimming and your body will be fine. Um, how many of you believe we only use 10% of our brains? It's a common thought. Now, you might think, I, I know some people that only use 10% of their brains, right? All right, no. Um, but it's actually been proven false. We actually use uh, the, our entire brains. We don't use 10% of our brains from there. Um, how about this one? It takes seven years to digest gum. Uh, you've never heard that one? Wow. All right. You didn't grow up in my household. All right. So <laughs> the, that is actually false. Um, you actually can't even digest gum. It just goes right through. Um, how about this one? So cracking your knuckles will lead to arthritis. All right. You've heard it. Do you believe it? Uh, it's actually false. Um, it, does, it has no um, bearing on whether or not you will have arthritis later on from there. So those of you who love to crack your joints, you're in luck. Um, again, what I'm trying to get at is just a little bit of the understanding of what the Jews in that day and the people gathered around Jesus, their feelings when they hear these parables. For us, we're like, well, that makes sense. We get it. Uh, we have the hindsight, you know, of being able to see the story play out and a different understanding and a different culture and a different um, kind of background. But for them, they're immersed in this. And so he's completely changing their thinking. All right. So back to our scripture now in chapter 13. So again, remember, this is kind of the middle of the parables in chapter 13 and his teaching of the kingdom of heaven and what we have. So we got our first one. All right, so the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants and grows into a tree such that birds can make nests in its branches. The other thing I think that Jesus is trying to do with these parables, and maybe I'm off my rocker and I'm not correcting this, but I think he's trying to understand, uh, trying to make understandable the kingdom of heaven, which is so complex and so kind of difficult to wrap your mind around. Probably the most difficult thing to wrap your mind around is the Trinity. But back up, the kingdom of heaven is just, can be just as difficult. And so what he's going to do with these parables, he's going to come at them from different angles. So I'm going to pick the greatest state of the United States, Michigan. Um, <laughs> if you were going to describe the great state of Michigan, you could do it in many ways, right? One way that you could say that the state of Michigan is home to a rich, robust auto industry. And if you left it as just that, that wouldn't describe the full breadth of the state of Michigan. It does give you a good glimpse, right? Or you could say the state of Michigan is home to one of the most glorious cherry blossom festivals with cherry pie and all kinds of wonderful things, right? Again, wonderful, but doesn't fully describe it. Or the state of Michigan is home to the most lighthouses of any state in the United States. True fact, right? Again, kind of nice, right? But doesn't fully describe everything. Or my favorite, the state of Michigan is the only state where you can use your hand to point out to people where you were born. Also, the only state where then all the other states make fun of you for doing that exact thing. <laughs> but such is life. Um, again, in that way, you know, I can, I can begin to describe the state of Michigan in many different ways. And it takes all of that and more to fully understand really what the state is all about. 
The kingdom of heaven is the same way. And so Jesus is coming at it from different ways. Again, talking about the beginning of the chapter where he says the good soil, and then you've got the um, good farmer and the bad farmer planting weeds and wheat and so on and so forth. Now we're here, the mustard seed. All right, would you believe, I didn't know this, but as I was doing research for this, that there's actually a growing number of people, probably not so much so today, that actually uh, claim that Jesus is off his rocker because the mustard seed is actually not the smallest seed. I'm like, I've just always grown up thinking that it is. And it's true. The mustard seed is actually not the smallest seed. Did you know that? There actually are smaller seeds. Now, I am not a gardener, so I did not know that. But in the context of the day, when Jesus says the smallest of all seeds, they would instantly say the mustard seed. Even though it's not, and even though they know it's not, they would say, oh yeah, that is the smallest seed. Why? Because they know that in context, he's talking about garden plants. And this kind of subset of all seeds, the mustard seed is the smallest. It'd be a lot like for us, if I said that outside, all of a sudden it started storming, and like dime-sized hail started falling from the ground, from the sky, you'd be like, oh, I know how big that is. Because for us, dime size, we know that, right? Or you're like, oh, that's quarter size or whatever it may be. That's the same kind of thing. It's all Jesus is doing is using their understanding of size to make a point. And so we have the smallest of all seeds. All right, so it's planted in the ground. And then it says it grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in the branches. How big do you think the tree of a mustard seed is? Very big. Okay, that, you know, that's the type of just spot on. Anybody at home got it? <laughs> the comments here are crazy. Uh, so you guys can read those later. What's it? Four to five feet? All right, ten feet. All right, very big. You want to you nail that down a little bit more? No. All right, there you go. Turns out that it's about eight to ten feet. Um, some from there. It's like, wait a minute. That's not a really big tree. That doesn't really make a lot of sense from there, right? I mean, the, the, the cedars of Lebanon were huge in comparison. But again, in context, Jesus is making a point that the smallest of all seeds becomes something really big. It might not be the biggest, but it's big. And it's big enough that what? That birds can make nests in its branches and find shelter. So I was thinking to myself, how does that apply to us? Like, what does it do? And I was thinking kind of two different ways that the parable applies. I think in one point, uh, from a personal point, that it can apply. And then I think here at CPC, it makes a point that it just kind of God gave to me while we were on this hike. I think in a personal way, and this speaks to me, is that when we're thinking about what do I need to do to do God's work? You know, and I don't know about you, but I become overwhelmed because I think about, oh my gosh, I got to be doing everything. You know, I got I to help this person out and then I got to do this task and I've got to make sure that I'm reading my scripture and I got to do my Bible memorization and I got to make, oh shoot, I didn't sing songs today. I better do that. And or, like, you're always thinking about everything and I say, wait a minute, whoa, back up. The kingdom of heaven is like a small mustard seed planted in the ground. And so really what it is is just what small thing does God have you doing right now for his kingdom. And it could be a lot of different things, right? It could be just smiling to somebody here at church who's just had a really hard week 
and you have no idea that that makes such a difference in their lives. Or it's sending a card. We've received so many cards as Lisa has struggled with her health, and each one, every one of them is just amazing. And it's the time that someone would send. Or maybe it's making meals for someone. Or how many, I mean, there's tons of different examples that we can think about. But instead of thinking about, I got to do it all, all I got to do is just plant a mustard seed. Is what small thing is God asking me to do today? Because that small thing then grows into a giant plant. All right, there's someone here I'm going to make, uh, make as an illustration. I didn't ask him ahead of time, but I hope he doesn't mind. Um, Van reminds me of this all the time. Um, I had the pleasure of having Van clean my classroom for many years. Um, and the work that he did behind the scenes, so... You know, if you have any idea of what teenagers can do to a classroom <laughs> at the end of a day, you know, you try to keep it tidy, but there's only so much you can do. And every day I would come in the next day and my room would be spotless. And it, I've never had someone take care of my room the way that Ben takes care of my room. And that small work that he did helped prepare me to be able to successfully teach kids the next day because it gave them an environment that was clean and was able to be uh, a, an environment for learning. I've also seen uh, many times, because we live right here, I've driven by the church, you know, countless times, the number of times that I have seen Ven out by the road picking up trash. And I think to myself, I know I've seen him do it. How many other people driving by see him faithfully picking up trash? And who knows that small seed that someone drives by and goes, huh, Wow. And it grows into a big garden plant where birds can come and make nests in its branches. I think of many other things here that people do as well, but I wanted to highlight then in that regard. The other part of the parable of the mustard seed, I think that's important though, is that it's planted in the ground. Right? It's not something that just, oh, it's a mustard seed. Oh, just kind of sitting there, right? It actually requires action. And I think on our part, that's the same thing we need to think about as well, is it requires us actually doing something and doing action. But this parable comes just after Jesus talked about the good soil. I think that we, that's very important that we keep that in context as well. So in the good soil, right, where you plant that seed makes a big difference. And so it's also important to think about, like, where am I spending some of my time? Where am I putting some of my energy and efforts? Is it on shallow soil where people are being like, oh, yay, but then it just withers away? Or am I planting my time and my good little mustard seed in thorns that's going to grow up and choke out the, the seed? Or am I putting it in fertile soil? I don't know what your mustard seed is and what you need to do and how to plan that, but what I hope is that God gives you just a glimpse, just a little something like, oh, that's where I need to spend my time. That's what I need to do. I also think, as I said, the mustard seed applies to us here at CPC. I think of the kingdom of heaven and worshiping God doesn't require a big mega church with a thousand person choir and a laser light show and unbelievable preaching and cool swag gifts for visitors, right? Maybe those things are great. But the kingdom of heaven and worshiping God can be in a small 
broken down building in need of repair, which we're working on, with a group of people who are broken and who just want to gather together and share one another's burdens, with a worship team that helps lead songs that makes many mistakes, but faithfully gives praise to God, with preaching from broken people who try to adhere to the good news. But I think about this small place, as Jody said in the prayer, started by our charter members many years ago as just a small congregation. And look at what it's grown into. Are we the tall cedars of Lebanon? <laughs> nope. But are we a large garden plant where people can make their nest in its branches, where people can find home here? Absolutely. The last parable we have is the parable of the yeast. So this is the parable where um, a woman takes three, uh, no, woo, all of a sudden I lost it. Uh, so the kingdom of heaven is also like the yeast a woman used in making three measures of flour, and it permeates every part of the dough. Now, three measures of flour, uh, that would be about a day's worth of bread in those days. So if you're talking about like how much of a batch of bread um, this woman is making. Also didn't know this as well, but I probably should have known this. Um, back in the day, right, they didn't have a big Y or stop and shop, and so they just go, hey, I'm going to make some bread. Got to get some yeast, right? So they go in there, grab a packet of yeast, and boom, they go home and they make some bread. It doesn't work that way. Instead, to make a, a new batch of bread, they would always keep part of the previous batch, keep it safe, because then they would use that to permeate the next batch of bread, then keep part of that the next day, and they would go from there because they didn't just have yeast. But the yeast from leftover bread was enough to permeate the new loaf or the new uh, batch of bread. I think the same thing here at CPC. We've been blessed to be here for 20 plus years, and the number of families and people that we have seen come into this building is just remarkable. And there's been many who have come and stayed for a while and then have moved on to other states and other parts of the country. And I think about the small mustard seed that's planted here, how it permeates the entire country and beyond, because the faithful teaching and the little work that we do here, as some of our members move off, they continue to work in other places. And so sometimes we get overwhelmed. I know sometimes I get overwhelmed with all the problems of this country, all the problems of this city, all the problems of, you know, when I'm talking with my students and all of that. But I think again that just a small mustard seed planted in good fertile soil can permeate every part of the batch of dough can permeate every part of the problems that we see around us. And so when we look at huge problems, we think to ourselves, what can we do? Be faithful to God and what he's calling you to do and the small little mustard seed that he's calling you to plant today. Now, that doesn't mean that you get to leave here and go, oh, all I got to do is plant a mustard seed. That's going to take like three minutes, and then I've got plenty of time to do what I want to do, so I'm good. Because once you've planted that mustard seed, Jesus didn't say, you're done. He said, now go plant another one, <laughs> and then go plant another one, and keep on going from there. Don't, don't go to overwhelmed with the whole field of seed that needs to be planted. 
but plant that one mustard seed one at a time. All right, I want to finish with an example that if you do some mental gymnastics, it will fit with my sermon, but probably won't. Completely different, but um, on the last hike that we made, um, that we were fortunate to be able to do, we made a great hike, two peaks, the views were unbelievable, and we were at the top of Mount Jackson, getting eaten by um, flies up there, um, I have the marks on my legs still to prove it, um, and we needed to make a journey from 4,000 feet down to about 2,000 feet, um, so we had a long ways down, it was about two and a half miles, somewhere in there, and so we're making the journey down. And some of the parts are quite technical and require just care, slow, just not in my nature, and just one step at a time. And so we're going down this one spot, right, where really you just, you have to plan it. So you got your poles, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to put my foot here. Okay, great. All right, then I'm going to put my foot here because if you start going too fast, it's easy to slip and then you're, there's nothing, you're going down and you're just going to keep tumbling down. And so we're on the, through this. Now, if this little example, you're thinking to yourself, wow, this is the best part of his sermon. All credit goes to Lisa because she came up with this. If you hear this and you're like, oh, this is kind of weird. All right, all blame goes to me because I didn't tell it right. All right, so we're going down and Lisa makes a comment. She goes, you know, when you're hiking, you got to be very careful and you really can't look three, four, five steps ahead. You have to concentrate on what's the step that you're making right now. Well, that's pretty profound. And it's also very true. Um, you know, you have to kind of, and she's like, well, isn't our walk with God the same way? Is we need to concentrate on what does God have for us right now? What person, task, engagement, um, card that needs to be sent, what is it right now that God's asking you to do? Not what happen, needs to happen tomorrow, the next day, all that kind of stuff, focusing in on that. But, it's also quite helpful that, like, when you're on a hike, it's nice to be able to look around and see where you do. But when do you do that? When you're stopped, right? You take a quick little rest, and you look back and you go, wow, that's where we came from. That's incredible. Or you're at the top, and you rest, and you look all around at God's glory and creation. I think our lives are the same way. When we want to look at what God has done in our lives, we need to rest. The Sabbath is here for something. It's here to rest in him and his glory and to look at all the wonderful things that he has done for us. So I encourage you this morning, what is the mustard seed that needs to be planted that you need to plant in your life today? Where do you need to focus in on what God has for you right now? And my last encouragement, rest and look at the beauty of God and what he has done for you, is going to do for you because he's so faithful. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for who you are and what you do for us. Lord, you make it possible for us to be able to plant the mustard seeds in our lives. Lord, help us to not think that we can do it ourselves and ourselves alone, but that we do need you. And Lord, we thank you for just, again, what you've done for us, the encouragement that you are for us. Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness. And all God's people said...